All right, hello everyone. My name is Abby Driesen, and this is my capstone project about how technology impacts young adult romantic relationships. And I have four people with me here today, so I'm gonna have them introduce themselves and see what they think of whether technology is good or bad when involved in romantic relationships. Hi, my name is Lois. Um, overall, I would say that technology is good in romantic relationships and helps people stay in contact better. Hi, I'm Catherine. I would say that technology is a tool that can be in relationships and there's both like good sides and bad sides to that. My name is Katie and I think on a whole, um, technology is good in relationships, but I also have a little sense of uneasiness towards it. Hello, my name is Leah and overall I think it is kind of neutral. It can be both good or bad, depending on the relationship. All right, so I know a couple of you have been in long distance relationships and those who haven't can definitely chime in as well. But in long distance relationships, many couples communicated over the phone. So some use topic avoidance in order to avoid arguments or potential breakups. And I just wanted to know if you saw this in your relationships or were you open to discussing hard and uncomfortable topics? Yes, for me personally, this was definitely a thing where in my long distance relationship, um, I would definitely avoid conflict at any cost. And he would kind of like think, oh, I should bring it up when we're together. Um, so then it kind of made like the times that we were together like worse because he'd be like, this is the time to like air my grievances rather than over the phone. Because of that whole thing about like, don't break up with someone over the phone. Like, it's a, it's like taboo to like, you know, do anything that might finish a relationship over the phone rather than in person. So then, yeah, I got really good at avoiding conflict at all costs and being like, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, and yeah, technology definitely escalated that. I had the opposite experience. I found we argued more over like FaceTime or like technology than when we we're together because when we we're together, we were like, oh, this is like the only time we ever see each other for the next three months, so we're going to like not fight or anything. But then we had like a lot, not a lot, but that's the majority of our arguments were over FaceTime then. But that was also the majority of the time we were together was long distance. So like, was that ratio normal? I don't know. I didn't experience like topic avoidance. Um, if anything, I think since we weren't in the same physical space, just being on the phone the only thing to do was talk, so that led to, like, deep conversations and, like, tough topics, too. My first and only long-distance relationship was actually my first relationship, so there's a lot of issues there with just, like, being new to dating and not quite knowing what exactly to do. But I also have an avoidant style when it comes to conflict, so that absolutely did not help. But I do think that sometimes it is better to break up with somebody over the phone and then wait until they're there to say something because then that just makes that time there just that much more negative later on. Yeah it's really interesting to hear your guys's points of view because when reading about long distance relationships and topic avoidance a lot of it had to do with if you were from a collectivistic culture versus an individualistic culture kind of like the U.S. is. So the one that really emphasized topic avoidance and like 
not wanting to break up were collectivistic cultures. So it is really interesting to hear you guys' points of view on that. So Sherry Bolito and colleagues at the University of Amsterdam did research in 2015, and they studied how technology may differ in geographically close romantic relationships versus long distance romantic relationships. And they found that those in long distance romantic relationships had higher technology usage, had more partner surveillance, and experienced more technology related jealousy. So I just wanted to know if any of these findings kind of related to what you've experienced in your relationships. So very obviously, when you do not see your boyfriend for six months, your only dates are like technology. So of course, like FaceTiming, calling, texting does go up. I don't know if I relate to technology related jealousy, but I do see like, I don't know partner surveillance, but like checking in more and being like, they haven't texted me. They usually text me around this time or like you usually call tonight and they're not like letting me know they're busy. So I guess like that was definitely a thing I experienced. Yeah, I would say technology related jealousy has been kind of a big thing for me, not even just in romantic relationships, but in friend relationships too, because I don't maintain like relationships through technology. Like I really prefer in-person contact and use technology mostly for like logistical planning, like when we're going to meet up and stuff. So I look at like other people's relationships and how they maintain relationships through technology and they're like texting every day or Snapchatting every day. And I feel like, oh, like, should I be doing that too? So if my like partner is doing that or someone I'm close to is doing that, then I feel like I should also be doing that. And I don't know, like definitely feel like a sense of insecurity or jealousy over that. I've never had a long distance relationship where I had a lot of social media, but I found that when I was in a geographically close romantic relationship, whenever we were having issues, there was a little bit more of like um, technology related jealousy. But I agree with Katie. I, I also deal with like not being able to like text every day or Snapchat every day. Because like sometimes it's just, especially when I'm stressed, it's just hard and it just makes me anxious. Mm. So I find that hard and I feel really bad when um, like my friends will like snap me back like right away. But like I wait a bit because I have been like doing other things or I need time away from my phone. But yes, I do still experience um, the same technology related jealousy more in friendships. Yeah, in my long-distance relationship, there's definitely an issue where if we were spending time together, like, you know, that's like a special time, the little bit of time that we have together. So then, yeah, I'm kind of the person who likes to (laughs) stay in touch with my friends, like, over Snapchat, like, a lot. And so he definitely had a lot of jealousy, like you both were talking about, of, like, we're in the same room together, and yet I'm on my phone rather Mm. than, like, talking to him. And that especially was an issue if I was like talking to other guys. If she's if he saw that I was like <laughs> sending photos of myself to men, he'd be like, hmm, <laughs> we're together and you're trying like prioritizing talking to this guy rather than talking to me. So yeah, that was definitely how technology made him a little jealous. I think just in like what I've witnessed from like your relationship was and like others and my friends who have been in long distance relationships. It really depends on how much the partners trust each other. So I've seen it work where there's been like hardly any jealousy, and sometimes I've seen it where there's quite a fair amount. And it just depends, I think, on how much they trust each other. 
this isn't something for me, but I had a friend who was in a long-distance relationship, and she was very untrusting, and, like, she would literally text me and be like, his Snapchat number's going up, but he hasn't, like, responded to me, and I'll say that's a fairly extreme case, but, like, it definitely, I don't, I think less extreme cases of that does happen also. And that's kind of, like, surveillance, in a way, is, like, keeping track of, like, ridiculous numbers, like, oh, this is how many girls liked his Instagram, this is how much his Snapchat score is going up, which is just, like, a weird type of surveillance that you don't even think about. Also, the introduction of, like, snap maps. I definitely was, like, looking at where my boyfriend was. And it's like, I completely trusted him. I didn't think he was doing anything. But I just got into this, like, natural pattern of wanting to know where he was for, like, a sense of closeness that could turn into something ugly and, like, feeling jealous for no reason. Yeah, I definitely get that, especially with, like, Snapchat and, like, snap maps where you can, like, see everyone. Because, like, even if I was, like, just bored or something, I would just, like, go over there and be like, oh, like, where are you? Like, what are you doing right now? See, like, when they were on there last or, like, anything like that. So I definitely get that part of it. This hasn't applied to a relationship I've been in, but it was an almost relationship. I would notice when he was on Snapchat that, like, he hadn't opened my snaps for, like, a couple hours, but he was seen, like, just seen. Or like seen like one minute ago and the introduction of snap maps i think is probably one of the worst things so it has aided people in like figuring out if their partner's been cheating on them but i think it does more harm than good overall moving on to the next question do you think that partners responding through social media or technology makes that partner seem more accessible and responsive which provides a secure attachment with them or do you think it provides more of a sense of detachment and almost anonymity? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say on this topic because the relationships I've been in, um, my partners didn't have social media, so they weren't like commenting on my posts or anything. But I can imagine that if they were, I, I think it would make it feel more anonymous than, than like close or responsive, because just like anyone is responding on like Facebook comments it like takes away kind of like the specialness of like oh we have a separate platform a separate space where we communicate one-on-one I think it honestly depends a lot which I know I'm probably going to say that a lot for these questions but I think if like publicly on like Facebook or Instagram I, I agree with Katie sometimes it does give a sense of detachment or anonymity to it because like most of my really close friends, like, they don't even, like, comment on my Instagram posts or my Facebook posts. I mean, I really don't post much on Facebook. But on my Instagram posts, they, like, really don't comment much unless, like, they send me the post with their comment. That's probably, you know, they really don't want the public to see, probably because it's an, an inside joke or whatever. But also a thing I've had with, like, Snapchat and texting, sometimes it's nice and sometimes it's not. I think that does help a little bit more if they respond quicker. I agree with what you said about how texting, I think, creates more attachment between partners. And social media is where you get to see kind of detachment. Mm. Because, yeah, with, like, technology on the whole, the fact that I can call or FaceTime or text my partner at any time, that's super nice. That makes them feel very accessible. Mm. And I know a lot of people, like maybe don't feel that way because maybe their partner just like takes a really long time to respond so that's I don't know like the fact that you can text someone at any point in time 
promotes attachment, but if they take way too long to respond, that can feel like they're detached and give like a full sense of like, oh, they don't care about this relationship. And then also with social media, like, I feel like when you have like an Instagram or whatever, it's not really you, like, it's kind of like a fake you. It's Mm. kind of like a facade you're putting on. Like, even if you don't want it to be, like, everything that you say on Instagram, you know everyone's looking at it, so you're still going to act, like, a little bit different. So, like, it's nice if someone, I feel like your partner or whoever responds to your post, but also it's, like, it, is this, like, really you or is this, like, how you want to seem to the public? So I feel like direct messaging over technology is better for attachment. I'm not entirely sure this is, like, completely on topic, but I'm, like, looking at, like, accessible and accessibility and how social media, even platonic relationships or technology like texting snapchat makes you accessible to people in a way that like even if you don't want to be accessible or like just because you have a snap doesn't mean you have to respond to it like just kind of there's i don't think it's been defined in our society like when when do you need to respond so i guess i put up boundaries for that in my own like long distance relationship where like um like so like snapchat was kind of just like you just want to send something it's a picture of a dog you saw you just want to kind of had a constant thing of that going back and forth but texting was like i want you to see this like now i want you to respond like soon and then we had like a set time for like when we're gonna like what nights we're gonna call our facetime most of the time obviously that could change but that created not just like oh we're constantly on call constantly having to respond but kind of some boundaries for that which i thought was healthy but like it was didn't like start like that like we had to do that because we're like exhausted like what are we like when are we constantly because also in relationship long distance you don't like have dates and stuff you're just like constantly trying to interact with each other through like your little screens and like yeah I feel like that's where like a lot of my insecurity and like jealousy like we were talking about before with technology and relationships comes from is because I need to set those boundaries and I need to have that time alone and apart from my phone and not be accessible and to like set those boundaries is tough when you see other people like having different boundaries and like being okay with it. Yeah, I definitely get that sense of it's kind of like a two-way street. It does make your partner a lot more accessible when they're talking to you, whether it be like texting or like commenting on like your Instagram post, but like Lois said, you only put the good stuff on Instagram. So it almost is kind of like a fake life. Like you never see like many struggles. It's always like the perfect relationship pictures. But like even with texting, there is almost that sense of detachment just because sometimes you can't read what emotions they're putting through in text messages. So it's hard to be like, oh, is he mad at me? Is he like trying to like say something to me when in reality they're just talking to you? But it causes all of these thoughts and problems even before they happen. I think something for me though that sometimes people will post like their more slightly more negative stuff not like the cheerful like perfect happy couple but like the slightly like ooh, maybe there is something going on between the two of them like that can go to like your um your private instagram accounts because my most previous ex-boyfriend he like i said hey i think i need to take a break just because like school is just getting a bit rough right now and I'm really stressed, and I just, I need to take a break. And he then posted something on his private Instagram about, like, how if people really want to be in a relationship with you, they will spend the time for you, or they will make the time for you. And that, well, one that was the beginning of the end, um, <laughs> well, that was, 
that was my, okay, yeah, we're done. Um, but that is also so negative and that mm-hmm. is like a negative response on social media to something that happened in person. And it was just not fun. Yeah, that like sort of like subtweeting, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that definitely is an interesting topic for this because like in romantic or like platonic relationships like there's definitely like it's weird because like they're like forcing a detachment by being like I'm obviously talking about you but I'm not going to mention you by name like they're using social media to try to like hide and like force a detachment when actually like this is a very like personal like between the two of you kind of thing and then also this is like slightly off topic but going back to what Catherine said about how like having technology and being able to access your partner like constantly can be like unhealthy for a relationship my relationship being long distance also made my relationship with technology unhealthy Mm. because it was like since the only way that my boyfriend was accessible was through technology it meant that I was like sleeping with my phone as if it was him, you know, like having my phone like on my pillow because it's like, what if he like <laughs> is still planning on texting me goodnight or something, you know, like that was like the only way to like feel connected to him. And so I had such like an unhealthy connection to my phone because it's like as if it is him, you know, it's the only thing that I have to like hear his voice. Some young adults experience jealousy, mistrust, and monitoring as a conflict issue when their partners interacted with peers through technology. Have you experienced this in your relationships, and what would you define as cheating with technology? I really haven't experienced it much on my end, only when it was, like, I really haven't experienced jealousy, mistrust, and monitoring unless it was the beginning of maybe a relationship when when we were both interested in each other, but it just didn't work out. On my end, I haven't experienced it, but on my most previous ex, he definitely, towards the end, like, even just, like, spending time with my friends, which is a huge red flag, like, him, like, being jealous of, Mm -hmm. but, like, I had a tendency to just, I used to just avoid the whole conflict and just spend more time with him rather than my friends. Once I realized that this was an issue, I brought this up, and then he became very mistrusting of me and jealous, and then that's when... He started posting on his private Instagram and he started like kind of like subtweeting me. Having active dating apps, that would be um, cheating for me. And just sexting, for lack of a better word, um, other people of the preferred sex. But yeah, like that's really all I would consider cheating. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I kind of mentioned earlier my ex-boyfriend definitely was like jealous when I was using technology to contact other guys and like I don't know yeah that definitely was like kind of uncalled for I wasn't doing anything that was like like you said like I wasn't sexting other boys I wasn't like flirting but like it was just the fact that he thought I was like so much more interested in what those guys had to say than what he had to say that was an issue for him I feel like a lot of people have, like, a outdated perception that, like, cheating is, like, if you, like, kiss someone else or, like, you know, get physical with someone else. And so it's, like, hard to define, like, cheating or technology because, like, it's, it's not physical. And so I think, like, sexing, that's a good example of, like, how you can be, like, cheating with technology because that is, like, kind of, like, a physical way of, like, cheating over technology. 
the realm of like emotional cheating. I think that's a lot easier to get into and not really identify over technology because it's like, yeah, you're just like talking to this person and you think, oh, it's just like, we're just texting. Like, it's not like it doesn't mean anything like, but then you can fall into like accidentally cheating because you're just like saying things that maybe you shouldn't be saying. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Lois said about like the line between like cheating if it's not like physical and what is cheating. I think, so I haven't really experienced this in a relationship. I didn't have like really issues with that. However, I think like if it's like emotional cheating is a term. You know, if they're going through some girl's Instagram and they're like, they're checking it every day, they're really invested or they're talking to a friend who's a girl, but they're more like, I don't know, it's like get across this line between like a friendly way and getting more into like very emotionally invested. It's so hard though, the line between platonic and romantic though. And like, yeah, basically just like, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to also the what boundaries you have in your relationship with your partner, how much do you trust each other, and also how much, how are your guys' dynamics? Do they have to understand that you have platonic guy friends or otherwise, and that, like, but also what's the line between, like, when does that line be crossed? Yeah, I think what Catherine was saying about defining, like, the line between platonic and romantic in, like, texting relationships, I've, like, been on that side of things, because to me, I don't like maintain relationships through texting, like I've said. So if I am, I'm letting someone into like kind of my own personal space. So that's like pretty special to me. So when a guy started texting me a lot, I was like, oh, like he's like interested in me. And it wasn't until later that I like realized, oh, he's also like having a lot of other texting relationships with other people. And this might just be his communication style is through texting. So I don't know, I feel like it can be hard depending on your own communication style to realize what that definition is for other people compared to yourself. I think backtracking a little bit to Lois saying that a lot of people don't really have necessarily a working definition of cheating. I think it does like depend on the couple because like a lot of people just say that like even like flirting is like is cheating and then some people just like oh yeah no like even like completely like sleeping with another person I mean actually I don't really know anybody who would say that but like kissing (laughs) another person is a little less extreme (laughs) but like kissing another person like wouldn't be considered cheating either and like for some people that would be considered cheating and I think it depends on the couple and they have to like place boundaries about what they both consider cheating and once those boundaries are broken, then I think that would be a definite line to cheating. It's so hard to define. Um, like, so I was thinking of like what I would consider. So like, I think if um, if I'm just like my ex going through an Instagram of a girl frequently or my current partner, right? Like that's might be cheating, but it also might not be cheating. Cause just depending on the context and the tone of who it is, I think like I could definitely be like, oh yeah, that's cheating. And then this, he'd do the same thing with another girl, slightly different. I'd be like, oh, that's not cheating. Cause I think there's so much nuance between boundaries or like how they snap one friend who might be a girl is completely platonic or it might not be for a slightly different situation. That nuances between that, I think are very, very subtle. And that's why it's hard for to talk about it because if it's a, more of a gut feeling than like mm. it's like texting other girls is cheating versus like how they text this one girl and their relationship it might be considered crossing boundaries within our relationship yeah when when you get jealous about like social media and stuff like that it makes it really easy for people to fall into like gaslighting 
someone might get really jealous because like their boyfriend is liking like a ton of photos from this girl who like is constantly in like a bikini or like something like that and she's just like oh my gosh you totally have a thing for her otherwise you wouldn't be like liking all these photos and then it's really easy for him in that situation or whoever to be like you're crazy like <laughs> I'm just liking Instagram posts like they're just friends like I can't control what they're posting I'm just liking it to be like friendly you know and it has nothing to do with like the content necessarily and then also yeah if you if someone in a relationship feels like their partner is texting another person too frequently like you won't feel in the relationship like you have the power to like ask them like what kind of conversations do you have with them because that feels like you're kind of monitoring to them too much if you're like let me look at your phone and like look at what conversations you're having with this person I think you're cheating on me with like that's not okay but also the person who is having those conversations could like gaslight them and be like no it's fine I'm not like saying anything when in real reality they're like I'll run away for you <laughs> like you know stuff like that yeah I also kind of feel that way because I also feel like it's really hard especially with like other friends you have like if they're like talking to them like a lot or like more than you it's like well I want to trust my friends but this also kind of leads into the next question which is do you think that password sharing or looking through a partner's phone is a form of monitoring or not? I think it comes down to boundaries, right? Like, did you, are you, is it your Netflix password? Is it your email password? Like, did you, it's like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I see this is pretty broad. And it's like also boundaries. Like, if did you give them your phone or did you take it when you're in the bathroom? I think there's a lot of nuance in that. And like, yeah, I 100% agree. Like, if your partner walks out of the room, you should not be like going through their phone just to see who they're talking to. I don't know I've definitely like shared passwords in relationships um for like my phone or for my computer or whatever because it's like that's also a way of like showing trust because you're like I trust that you're not gonna hyper monitor me by going onto my computer when I'm in the other room for me that is a huge like form of almost over monitoring it's just like for me it's a huge breach of privacy like even if like if you ask and I say no, the, my partner has to be okay with me saying no, because I just don't like my phone in anybody else's hands. Like, I don't even like it in my parents' hands or my best friend's hands. I just, I don't like it. Like, it's just not something I'm comfortable with. But also, my partner should trust me enough, even, like, asking. So I'm like, oh, so you don't trust me. So let's unpack that before you ask me again about my phone. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, like, an incredibly dangerous assumption that people will have. If you say, like, no, I'm not giving you the password to this, they'll be like, oh, so you're hiding something. And, yeah, that's important to remember in a relationship is, like, even though you're dating them, it doesn't mean you have to know everything that's going on in their life. It doesn't mean you have to, like, be aware of everyone they're talking to or what they're doing at any time. And, like, they're allowed to have things to themselves. Like, you have a bigger presence in their private lives, but they still are entitled to having a private life. And, yeah, it's not like I have anything to hide. I, like I said, I just don't like anybody going through my phone. But also, even if you're, like, really close to somebody, like, you completely take technology out of the problem. Knowing every tiny little detail about your partner's life and about, like, anybody you know, like, that's 
not going to be good for any relationship, regardless of whether it's platonic, familial, or romantic. Like, it's just arguably not really one of the best things. Yeah, and when I was researching this, a lot of the things that came up with, like, password sharing and, like, partners looking through your phone is if the person had been cheated on before. And so they might be extra cautious this time around and want to make sure they're not going to get cheated on or burned again. And so that was a lot of the reason why they would want their partners to be like very open with them. But I do agree with what all of you said. Like it is such a private thing that it almost feels like breaching your privacy, even if you are in a relationship, if your partner is just like, I need your password. Like I have to look through your phone. Yeah. I definitely don't think your partner should ever be like asking for passwords for things. Um, like your partner shouldn't be coming up to you and being like, I need your phone password. But like, if you do like decide to like give that to them, it's also important to think about like the difference between like snooping or just like going on your phone. Because like, sometimes I would give my ex like free reign, like on my Snapchat to just like answer like mutual friends of ours. I'd be like, yeah, you can like pick up my phone, answer this friend that's of both of ours. Um, because you know, that's fun for you. But that's different than like snooping where like if you were to be opening all of them or like going through like messages that indicates more like distrust. I think it all just really boils down to consent and boundaries mm -hmm. and having discussions that need to be had. Like if a partner has been cheated on previously, like that is something that needs to be brought up and discussed and the person just like maybe like, hey, yeah, like if you if you feel comfortable with like your partner going through your phone, then by all means. But if you don't feel comfortable, then that is going to be an issue. You guys need, should probably discuss it a lot. So this next one I found super interesting when I was reading it. So in 2017, Mitchell Hodds and colleagues at the University of Sydney did a study on whether dating apps facilitate a type of liquid love. And this is when there are like so many options offered on dating apps that it erodes ideals such as monogamy, commitment, and romantic love. Do you think that dating apps have gotten rid of these ideals? I don't really think so. I think that we have an idea that in the past, like, relationships were monogamous and they were committed, but I don't think that's actually how it was. Like, my mom, when she was living in Milwaukee, had a boyfriend who, like, she had multiple boyfriends and so that every night of the week she could get a meal and not have to pay. So I don't think that like, I think we have this fantasized idea that like relationships were in the past, like something like super grand and like monogamous. But in reality, I don't think that's how it was. So I don't think that dating apps have necessarily eroded those if they didn't exist in the first place. I think it's kind of like, Katie, going what off of what you were saying, I think because they were like, everything has to be perfect. Everything has to like fit into a picture frame. It's like, oh no, you're going away for nine months. She's definitely not pregnant and unwed. Like it's trying to like maintain like that perfect, like, family like reputation that you have and I think that's why like we do have those ideas of um, monogamy and um and commitment and romantic love and I think it I don't necessarily think that dating apps have um 
eroded them. And I don't think that, like, there's just so many options. Because, like, you do have to, like, click with the person, like, personality-wise. Because you may think that somebody is incredibly attractive. But, like, the minute they open their mouth and just they start talking, you're just like, oh, and your personality sucks. Never mind. So, like, it's got to have, like, you have to find them both attractive, like, personality-wise and physically in order to, like, at least I do, in order to make it work. And it's just, I don't really think dating apps have gotten rid of, rid of those ideas, ideals, but I also tried dating apps once when the pandemic hit, and that was a bad decision, because, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know about, like, as you, were, you guys are saying, like, eroding ideas of, like, commitment and monogamy, um, but I do think that dating apps have contributed to um, a lot of, like, confusion and miscommunication about your values of like commitment um I think there are a lot of people who like go on to dating apps who are just like (laughs) I know how to do this I know that I can like talk to multiple people at the same time and like it doesn't mean that I'm like cheating or anything Mm. I can have a different boy cook me dinner every day of the week (laughs) and that's not cheating until I like have that conversation of like oh we're getting monogamous And I think other people like go into dating apps thinking like, I'm going to find one person on this app and I'm going to really like them and they're going to really like me and we're just going to date. And like, that's how that works. So I think like dating apps have like, I don't know, they haven't like eroded them. They've just like put people who have different ideas of monogamy and commitment and how soon that should happen in a dating circumstance all in the same pool. And then those people will like match up and one person will be like, oh, if I'm talking to this one person, I'm only talking to this one person. And then they'll find out that that person is talking to a bunch of other people. And it's just like hard. Yeah. So I have a decent amount of experience like going on dates from dating apps or um, I dated a guy from a dating app. And I also agree with the general consensus that like he didn't wrote anything because there's nothing there. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not nothing there, but you know, like, I, don't, I don't think dating apps have contributed to like, yeah, uh, problems. I just think they've created different pro- problems. I would say that there is like, there's like so many options. Like you're just like swiping. It's like the idea though that like someone better next or like whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I've used them seriously, of course, like you know, you want your relationship, you swipe for fun. But if I'm actually trying to meet people and talk to people, I try not to swipe too much, and I try not to talk too many people at once because I'm not trying to like overdo it I also don't want to be going on dates with more than one person at once because I want to give them my full attention not be like well I'm going to date with someone else next week so like you know this one doesn't go super well this one that one I don't know for me personally but I also know that like probably most of the guys are probably talking to other girls at the same time because I've met on dating apps so it's kind of it is difficult to be like I'm having these like what I think are healthy boundaries through this very instant means of communication but like not everyone I'm meeting might be having those remember I'm probably not the only girl I think, like, I view dating apps as, like, kind of, like, auditioning, (laughs) which, I mean, I'm a performance major, so, of course, I'm going to think of it as auditioning, because, like, you're seeing if, like, it'll work, and it just, if it does, it does, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I think the pandemic has made things a lot harder, because some people, like, have different, like, COVID boundaries, and some people will be like, oh, yeah, comfortably meeting outside without a mask. Some people, like, don't even, like, really want to, like, meet in person because of, like, you don't know, like, who, like, they don't, like, know how the other person is handling COVID and they're just more strict. And it's just dating apps, I think, are just a whole different, like, Lois and Catherine were saying, they've just, like, created so many other issues. 
but I think also our generation has a very strong fear of commitment that I think has been highlighted by dating apps, but not eroded by, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you guys are saying. And I do see like the downsides that like, what one would think with like liquid love, like it is almost addicting, like being able to swipe. It's almost like a social media app where you're like, oh, like what if, what if this next person is better than the last one that I'm talking to? And so it is very addictive and hard to kind of stop. But I also see like, especially if like your parents met like in a cute way, like without technology and your grandparents, like it is such a new age thing to like go on dating apps such as like Tinder and Bumble and any, like there's millions of dating apps out there. <laughs> millions. <laughs> Literally. All the ads are huge. <laughs> I know. There's, yeah, there's ads on TVs now about dating apps. And so it is kind of like this new way that you might be almost embarrassed that you met someone on a dating app if mm. like your whole family's not used to that sort of thing. So it's a hard idea to get used to, but I, I don't think it has eroded any of those ideals. Yeah, and then, like, I think that there are some people who would have been more, like, quote-unquote monogamous or whatever if they hadn't had access to dating apps. I think that the amount of options that they have, like, on dating apps maybe has, like, opened a few individual people's eyes and maybe, like, eroded their personal um, monogamy ideals because they'll kind of realize, like, as you said, like, (laughs) there are so many options out there that like yeah you're not just gonna like find one person like at a coffee shop and then just hit it off and then that's going to be your love story also I feel like um levels of commitment have kind of like aligned themselves to certain dating apps in a way people kind of have this perspective that like oh if you're like low commitment just want to hook up like you're on tinder if you're like high commitment like I'm actually trying to find a monogamous relationship right off the bat you're on like eHarmony mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's like people have like, or like dating apps can have like specific audiences that have different levels of commitment. I think it also depends on how you were raised too. Cause like we're all, we were all raised in the Midwest. And like, I personally like, like my parents met in a really cute way. And like, I don't necessarily like have expectations of like, oh yes, like, I have to meet in, like, just as cute of a way as they did. But, like, I mean, I want to have a story to tell, like, besides just, oh, yeah, I swiped right or left. I don't remember the correct <laughs> way. I swiped the good way on this guy. <laughs> like, I just, I personally don't want that for myself. Like, I don't have any issues with it for other people. I mean, why would I? It's literally does not affect them, does not affect me. Just, why would I, why would that bother me? But I think it also depends on, like, how you're raised how you were raised because I know like I think religion would also impact it a lot too um which I mean I guess there's like Christian Mingle and I think there's another Christian dating app out there too but I do think that like religion would also like play a part into it just like how like because I've noticed that Christians have a tendency to only like talk to like one guy or girl at a time as opposed to people who aren't as serious um, with their religion or just not religious at all like like loosely like obviously there's going to be exceptions to every case but I think religion does play into it a little bit too yeah most of the like stories that we grow up with about romance are like you know cute movies or like 
fairy tales where it's just like there's this one person and this one person they're meant to be together we learned about like soulmates and stuff (laughs) right and like I don't think dating apps were really made for you to find your soulmate (laughs) personally I think it's more to find the right person for right now but like if you do find your soulmate that's awesome oh you I don't know there are a lot of different reasons why people believe what they do about monogamy commitment at least this research study kind of agreed with what you're saying so a lot of the participants in this study did still have those ideas of monogamy commitment and romantic love when using dating apps so it is really interesting to kind of see how that ended up and how you're so this next question is do you think that people who are more introverted are more likely to form relationships online or people who are more extroverted so I think that it's easier for like introverted people to message first online because like it's easier to like to message someone just be like you know a little thing than like going up to someone at a bar or, like in public. However, you still takes like a lot of like ability to put yourself out there than to actually go on the date. And this is also coming from me, who is an introvert who uses dating apps. So I guess it's also kind of biased as I'm able to use them. Am I more likely to be able to use them or enjoy them than like extroverts? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's fairly like easy for both introverted people and extroverted people to start relationships over the internet. I think it's harder for introverted people to start relationships in person. So I think that introverted people are more likely to end up in like an online relationship because like a lot of introverts like kind of turn to the internet to like, you know, find people to talk to who have like the specific same interests as them. And also like extroverted people are more likely to be looking for a relationship out in the world, I think, than um, introverted people. Um, as an introvert myself, I actually find it a lot harder to message somebody on dating apps or even just like on like Snapchat or like Messenger and just be like, hey, like just initiating a conversation. It's a lot easier for me to do that in person especially in a setting where, like, we're both in, like, whether we're in, like, the same building, like, academic building, and, like, because, well, I mean, I guess my building is a little bit different than some of the other buildings, but, like, if you have, like, a shared, like, common area, it's a lot easier to have, to sit and have a conversation, or, like, if you have, like, a class with them, I guess this is coming from, like, a collegiate standpoint, but I personally find it so much easier for me to um, initiate and start relationships in person. Like, all of my friendships, all of my relationships have been, like, in person. But that's also, I think, depending on my communication style. What Lois was saying about the internet being a way for introverted people to find, like, mutual areas of interest reminded me of some people that I knew in high school who found relationships through the internet, but not through dating apps, through, like interest sites like DeviantArt or Tumblr and like those were like super introverted people who were like super active online and got involved in very serious relationships via the internet. So I think kind of like what others were saying that it's not less likely or more likely but another another means. I think it also has a lot to do with Some people may feel more confident online because they aren't showing their face and they could be kind of like showing this different personality that they may have where they are more confident to talk to people Mm. and 
so I think it does also have a lot to do with what you said, like finding similar interests online as well. And actually, with this study, both of these things were kind of true, because a lot of the people who are extroverted and like could easily form relationships offline and were like popular when they went online, they had that confidence already to talk to people and like get their interest out there and engage people online. So it was easy for them to form relationships online. But also the more introverted people were also able to do this because they kind of looked online for friendships and relationships and people who had similar interests. And as like kind of like a subtopic in this research, a lot of LGBTQ plus people went online to form relationships because there were more people like them that they could find. I think in the case of LGBTQIA plus students, or not students, just people in general, I think for that, it's just like, you may be out online, but you might mm. not be out in person because mm. there would be a lot of people that would be, that just wouldn't be a safe place for those people. So I think that's maybe there would be a different, um, not necessarily different, but like, I think there is definitely diff- a different way of approaching it for um, heterosexual people versus people who are not heterosexual. So this one is very prevalent in the generation of social media. Do you think that seeing relationships on the internet or through entertainment has influenced your perceptions on what relationships should look like? I would say that maybe not on social media, just like seeing like celebrity couples or just like other random couples, because I know that they're only showing me like the good parts of their relationships. That really hasn't affected me too much because like I know that like they're showing me like just what they want me to see. But with entertainment, like movies and even like lyrics in songs, even like that has definitely impacted me because like, I mean, and I think it impacts us at a young age too. Like, like it's been conditioned in like books and like that I've read when I was little or um, like Disney movies just being like, oh yeah, like you have to find your perfect soulmate and like it's out there for you and like believe in true love. And just, like, even, like, movies now, like, it's still, like, definitely impactful. And, like, it's also very frustrating because, like, sometimes, like, I just want to consume media that doesn't, like, make me feel more single than I already am. And also times it's really frustrating to just watch somebody, like, have so many issues and you're just like, this would just be fixed if you just talked. But I would say it definitely has, like, affected my standards and my standards are way I don't want to say maybe way too high, but they are definitely higher than they would have been had I not experienced that throughout growing up and even now. I definitely agree. I think the thing that like really gets me in terms of like seeing entertainment and thinking what my relationship should look like based off of that is sitcoms Mm -hmm. because like sitcoms are meant to be like, you know, about like a lot of the sitcoms I watch are like, you know, like 30 year olds, like struggling through dating and like (laughs) they go through so many different relationships and like some of them turn out good, some of them turn out bad, but like they always find that good person in the end. And so I keep thinking like, yeah, I will just randomly start dating someone that I find in the grocery store because, you know, Zoe Deschanel in New Girl (laughs) did it or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I keep thinking, like, oh, I will find the perfect person in the end, because, like, in every sitcom, like, yeah, they have this hard, like, path to get there, but, like, you always get there, and therefore, I will always get there, but, like, that's not true, that's just, like, sitcoms do such a good job 
at like what they're trying to do, which is like trying to make characters that are relatable to you and trying to like come up with situations that like the audience will be like, that's me. They want you to see yourself in a sitcom. And also with sitcoms, like you feel like you're seeing the full story of the relationship. Like you were saying on social media, it's really easy to remind yourself, like this is not the full story of the relationship. This is just the good parts. And honestly, on social media, you don't want to see the bad parts. It doesn't belong on there. (laughs) But when you're watching a sitcom, like you're with them, like through the ups and downs and you feel like I'm going to find a relationship like this because, you know, the sitcom did. But they have writers. My life doesn't have writers, unfortunately. (laughs) I can try, Lois. (laughs) Um, I don't have a ton to add to this. I would say probably um, maybe more influence before I started dating. I thought Leah's comment about like song, like lyrics, like that, that I wasn't thinking of that, but like that probably had more of an influence on me than probably like movies or TV, just because I don't consume a lot of like romance genre. Like I also not have no idea public to like current celebrity events are, so I don't really care. But like as I started dating, like my own dating experience has shaped more what I do see as like an ideal relationship or like my own like wants from like or shortcomings from my previous relationships have more dictated than like current media type things now because I'm like that's not real. What's real is like this problem or just saying I liked about a previous relationship so yeah I think a lot of times we think about it in a negative way that like it's given us super high expectations or unrealistic standards but I think for me watching relationships through social media or like specifically like through YouTube and like I'm Christian so I like to watch like Christian like advice channels and things like that and like I didn't grow up with like any close friends or even now like I don't have close friends who are in romantic relationships so I don't have any examples of what that should look like so I can turn to like YouTube or things like that to have like mentors and examples of what a good relationship should look like and what I am meant to be striving for and seeking for in a possible future romantic relationship yep to kind of like bounce off what Catherine was saying like I really also don't keep up keep up with too much of like what celebrities are doing like it's just on like the homepage. I'm like why is this here everything I've learned about the Kardashians I've learned against my will <laughs> um it's just there but yeah, I realized that I really didn't talk about song lyrics but like if you think about it like most of the songs on the radio are like a lot of the music that like we grew up listening to like I know we've all like grew up listening to Taylor Swift or at least most of us did like a lot of her songs are about love and like it's not bad to write about love like you write about whatever you want but I think a lot of times like it can either give unrealistic expectations that like love has to be perfect But I think also some artists like Hosier like give a really good view on love of like how it should be or like how it should feel. And like it's just I think that can be helpful in a way. Yeah, it is really interesting because I know you mentioned Taylor's me and Lois were listening to Taylor Swift in the car today. And so many of the songs were about love. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, like a lot of I would say a majority of like songs and entertainment even stuff on like Instagram are about relationships and love. And so I also think it really depends on what state you're in, like mood wise, because I know when I'm like lonely or like just kind of feeling down, like seeing all these relationships, I'm like, oh, like I, I should be doing that. Like I should be aiming for that. And so I think it really depends on kind of what state you're in as well. 
Um, to go back to what Katie was saying about like looking on YouTube for like guides for like what a relationship should look like and stuff. I think that's really interesting because when we first heard this question, I wasn't even thinking about like people who are trying to tell you what a relationship should look like. I was only thinking about like, you know, entertainment where you just kind of like get the idea that since they're doing it, I should be doing it. But like there are like dating coaches and gurus and stuff who are like mm-hmm. online and they're like telling you like this is like, <laughs> you know, like what a good relationship should look like or whatnot. In a way, if you want to be influenced on the Internet, like you can be and you can just like find the right people who are going to give you the right advice to like steer you into a relationship. That's what you want. There's also the people that who are like in your life who are probably going to give you unwanted advice, like your family are probably going to give you like unwanted advice or just like you just you're around like your parents, your aunt and uncles and like your grandparents and like just like all the couples that you have within your family. And like sometimes like you'll get examples of like hearing stories of like how like those people met going back to like the dating apps like, ooh, like I really want to love like that. Or you can be like, oh, maybe I don't. It just, it depends, and, like, it's, I think it also, like, it depends a lot and relies a lot on what we've experienced growing up. This next one I think that we can all relate to. So, Jessica Kahlo and colleagues from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee conducted a study in 2020 about if relational closeness is associated with the frequency of Snapchat use. So, frequency of Snapchat use was positively associated with relational closeness, closeness the following day, social presence, and participants reported more relational closeness on this app compared to other apps with only one mode of communication. Do you use Snapchat in your relationships and is it better than other apps? So I definitely, I use Snapchat on a daily basis um, to stay in touch with people. During my long distance relationship, I thought it was really useful to like maintain closeness because it's like, even if you're tired of talking to each other, you can just see each other's face every day. And that's just nice, like, to feel close because it's like, you're seeing them every day. And then, like, in non-romantic relationships, I still just, like, have, like, streaks with people (laughs) where even if we haven't talked in a while, we're still, like, seeing each other's faces every day. And it's strange how, like, I'll feel closer to someone who I haven't, like, spoken to in a while but like have been seeing their face repeatedly over Snapchat and I'll feel closer to those people than I do to people who like have given up on Snapchat, but I've like had like a brief conversation with over text recently, just because there's that like personal element of seeing their face. It is a very like personal, like one-on-one thing, whereas Instagram feels more like one-on-many, you know, like you're posting to a wide audience and same with like Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, I do think for me personally, like, uh, when it comes to, like, hitting someone up, like, who lives far away, then if we, like, haven't (laughs) had any, like, even mind-numbing communication, like, streaks, like, if you haven't had any sort of contact with them, then it's really hard to just, like, text someone out of the blue or, like, call them. Like, almost anybody, like, all of my friends are pretty much on Snapchat. I have mixed feelings about it. I do think it's good. I like it sometimes better than texting, depending on the person, just because you can, like, send, like, oh, like, hey, this is funny, and, like, you're only, like, sending it to... It's easier to send, like, the same thing to, like, a lot of different people than just, like, oh, like, I know you'll find this funny, and I know you'll find this funny. 
or just like, oh, hey, I'm experiencing this. It's pretty cool. But like, you can also send a text if you don't want to put the energy into put it, sending a video or a photo, or you can send a photo or a video. Like when you get like tired of typing, I like sending videos sometimes. So like, I do like the fact that like you can use multiple forms of communication in the same app. So I, that's why I do like Snapchat, but I definitely agree with Catherine. I don't like streaks and it's just, it adds like unnecessary pressure to continuously talk to somebody. There's also like the guilt tripping that happens like when you break a streak, which is, shouldn't really be happening. Like it's really, it's arbitrary for me. It's meaningless. It's just a little thing that you have next to your name. And like, I would much rather like have a conversation with you than just never talk to you and just like send selfies back and forth if it works for some people it works for some people but like that's something that I typically don't like doing which I think upsets a few of my friends but it's just I just don't like it <laughs> yeah I think there's like a super interesting like thing about our culture that like snapchat's more casual than like texting and texting is like a much different barrier which like works for some people and doesn't work for others and I think that's just super interesting like why is snapchat seems as like more casual and maybe less commitment like mm-hmm. like oh I'm just snapping this person but also yeah there's also definitely a lot more things like you're constantly snapping someone or having a streak versus like constantly texting someone I don't know um but like my mom has both snapchat and texting but like I text my mom because that's I will be like oh well this is actually an emergency um whereas like snapchat I will literally wait like two weeks to open something sometimes. So it's just, I think it's like the urgency too of the message. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say is like, I definitely agree with both of you that text messaging, that's like a thing that people do. If there's a sense of urgency, they need an answer right away. If I'm like trying to get like information about like work or something like that, like family stuff, I'm going to want to have a text so that I like know what's going on right away and actually look at it. Over Snapchat, yeah, it's a little more, like, you can play it by ear, you can open it whenever. And also, like, it's so much harder to, like, ask a stranger, like, for their phone number than it is to ask them for, like, their Snapchat username. Like, for some reason, yeah, like, Snapchat is a more, like, casual way to talk to people where it's, like, you can have anyone from, like, you know, your mom or your best friend anywhere from them to some random person you met at a party once. Whereas, like, your phone contacts are more, like, limited to just people that you really know and just people that you, like, really need to be in contact with. That's an interesting thing. I have another point, but I'm going to bounce off what Lois said about, like, more casual. For me, I'd rather give people my number because if I give them my snap, I'm opening up to, like, my stories and stuff. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's where, you know, you post your little, like, little thing and you're like, this is an update in my life. And I don't want to, like, go through and be like, oh, I don't want these people because they're too casual to see my story. So I usually rather give them my phone number because I don't want to, I don't know, I don't, sometimes I don't need people to see that part of my life. But what I was going to say earlier, we haven't brought this up yet, is that by Snapchat, there's no way to open a message and have the other person not know that you've opened it versus like texting. You can have read receipts on or not. I have mine off. And that's one thing about Snap is that you can't just like open it and then not respond for whatever reason. You just don't want to and respond to it later. You don't want to be immediately accessible, but want to make sure it's not something important. And that, I don't know, that's just an interesting thing we haven't talked about yet. Also screenshots, just you're notified immediately, like when you get a screenshot and like, just like, oh, did I say something? Or like, if it's the other way around, past experiences with roommates that were kind of traumatic. Like I screenshotted something because I wanted proof complete, like of like proof of gaslighting that I was going to send just to my mom. 
and that led to even more gaslighting. So like it screenshots can be a problem on relationship or with relationships sometimes too. But there's a reason why I don't really post to my public story on Snapchat and I only have like private stories that I post to fairly regularly. And the content of like because like I have like a middle like we're like oh yeah like you can see my private story like it's just like this is just essentially me just like kind of shit posting and then there's more where it's just like excessively like this is only for like my really close friends and I'm really just sick of like sending it to each of these people so like I just put them all in one private story and it's just easier that way so yeah that's why I do private stories um this is not related to the question but just since we're talking about snapchat we already talked about uh snap maps that's just a bad feature. <laughs> it yeah. just, it's just like encouraging people so much to just like monitor other people. And like, we don't need to like constantly know each other's whereabouts. But at the same time, like sometimes I want a few people to know where I'm at because I want, you know, my roommates to know when I'm getting home or whatever. Making sure um, I'm not dead in, the, in a ditch. <laughs> yeah, making sure you're not um, abducted. Um, it's useful for that. But like, there are some people that I just think don't need to have my location or I don't want to see their location even if they have me turned on to see it and it's kind of just like overall damaging (laughs) but that does kind of maintain like relational closeness I guess the fact that you are able to see like where someone's at at any point in time but um I don't think it's worth it (laughs) yeah snapchat developers like if you're listening to this make it possible (laughs) to like not see other people's um locations if you choose to and also if my sister's listening to this, I definitely do use Snap Maps to like stalk you because you never tell me what's going on in your life, and I am trying to feel close to you. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of why I kind of like Snapchat more than other apps is because it does have so many features. So I know I text people, I send pictures to people, videos to people, I can call people on there, and like you said, like. You can see, like, where people are if you're, like, just looking to see if they're, like, online or anything, too. And whereas, like, other apps, there's only kind of one mode of communication, which kind of limits you in a way. But, yeah, it can be kind of damaging if it gets very, like, monotonous and you're only, like, doing it to keep up streaks and things like that. So kind of a double-edged sword, but overall, I think it has helped me with closeness to others more than hindered me. I, my freshman year ex-boyfriend, he actually encouraged me to get rid of Snapchat. And I see where he was coming from, or at the time, I understand why, but it also really cut me off from communication from a lot of my friends, which I didn't realize then, but that was kind of a red flag. Not kind of, it was. Um, <laughs> but I do feel a lot closer to my friends when I do have Snapchat, which is the only reason why I really haven't deleted it. And like, I do really like some of the features it has, but... Like Abby was saying, it just, I have felt a lot closer to my friends. Another thing that has happened with technology is ghosting. So many people experience ghosting, which is when someone you're dating ends the relationship by cutting off all communication without any explanation. So what do you think of this practice? And are you an initiator or have you ever received a ghost by someone? I've never really thought of ghosting as like that definitive, like, cutting off like at the end of a romantic relationship I guess I can say that I've initiated maybe like transitional ghosting (laughs) like 
especially like with Snapchat, like not opening up people's messages for a long time when I didn't want them to like if someone okay a guy was texting me a lot and would respond right away but I didn't want him to feel like I was leading him on or anything so I would wait a long time to respond to those messages eventually we did end up having a conversation about defining the relationship but I don't want to say like from your definition, it wouldn't be that I ghosted him, but I would feel like at the time I was in the process of ghosting him by like constantly like either like leaving him on red or like taking a long time to respond to those messages. I have never been ghosted in that sense. I think once I realized that like I was, I mean, I've been ghosted, but that was like we weren't even dating. And I have never ghosted somebody until, like, the, like, I, we had that conversation, we had the breakup conversation, and I'm like, okay, I need space. And then, I guess saying that you need space really isn't ghosting then. I think ghosting to end a relationship that you've been on a significant amount of dates with this person, that is bad. You should not do that. That person is owed at least some sense of closure and some sort of explanation however if you've been on like maybe a couple of days with this person and you're just not feeling the vibe i don't think you necessarily owe them an explanation especially if you're like talking to other people on dating apps i would say that ghosting on dating apps is not like you don't need to have a breakup conversation with every single person because otherwise that just gets a little bit monotonous i think it depends on the number of dates that you're on long-term relationship or even just a few dates no, don't do it. Two dates, one date, it's fine. Yeah, I definitely think, um, yeah, uh, ghosting doesn't have to apply to, like, necessarily dating. Um, I found that more often than not, it's like someone is expressing a romantic interest on one side, the other person isn't feeling it so much. So, like, maybe there wasn't any, like, dating or mutual interest to begin with. And, yeah, this kind of only works with like people that you're like mostly talking to online and like don't really see that much in person Mm -hmm. but yeah it definitely for me personally it's like I'm I, I, I avoid conflict a lot at all costs so it's like if I'm feeling uncomfortable it's like very hard for me to like voice that and be like hey I need space I don't know how to do that Um, so then for me, I just kind of like default to just not responding if it feels like too much work to respond or if I like feel like I need space, I just would rather like shut off communication rather than actually like give them a like reason, um, which I know is like (laughs) kind of an immature way to handle things. It's definitely not good for the other person that's going to like hurt them in the long run, but it's just like what I feel like I need to do in the moment um so as someone who so I think yeah a lot about ghosting is like a very more prevalent on probably dating apps than other forms of communication someone who does use dating apps or has used dating apps in the past maybe more frequently for me if it was like we talked a little bit it wasn't really deep conversations I would just unmatch not really think about it if we hadn't met up in person at all even just like one day even don't think go that well I would send a message like hey I'm not interested goodbye or if we hadn't met up but we'd had like maybe a decent length of conversation or like we got to maybe like less surface level conversations I did feel like 
I would, if I ever felt like if they suddenly come up a conversation at this point in relationship, I would want an answer, then I'd give them an answer. If I'm like, oh yeah, we've been talking a little bit more deeply. Okay, I'll give them like, you know, I'm not interested anymore before I unmatch or whatever. Um, and also, yeah, I do see like platonic relationships. I think it's more transitory, like Katie was saying, than like cut off contact. I've definitely had friends who've like, I think slowly phased me out of my, my life for better for reason without me really feeling like when did it stop or when did they stop really caring about me but like you know it's kind of happened with now no contact without like ever a conversation like it does feel kind of bad like it's almost a little bit you know like when did like when did I do something wrong like when did it stop being like a good thing ghosting with friendships I do agree it happens way more because I think there's there's been like more like spoken standards and like friends hold friends accountable more for like standards for relationships and even like people online like just hammer it into people's heads like this is like what you should do and this is what your own person would be breaking up with them and I think that has been hammered into people's heads that like so like the protocol for like ending a relationship well it maybe differentiates between like all of us I think it's a little bit more definitive than for friends and there really isn't a guidebook for like ending friendships because like you're Mm -hmm. just supposed to be like oh well friends are forever that's like we grew up believing that and like mm-hmm. thinking that, but like friends are just like sometimes they're meant to be in your life for only a small period of time or a long period of time. Sometimes they have an end, sometimes they don't. And I think ghosting for friendships, especially friendships that you've had for a long time, is not good. But also, like, how do you end a friendship? Just being like, hey, yeah, like I don't want to be friends with you. Like we just need more of an explanation. And I don't think we really quite as a society know how to do that anymore. So I have two things to bounce off of. First of all, like friends, I think because of like technology and like more the convenience of like and the accessibility of like people via technology does make it like because it's so usually you're like so much in communication that when it does drop off, it does feel more of a difference versus like, I don't know, like my mom's out of touch with like a lot of her college friends or other friends from like other periods of her life. And that's more just like we moved away or like just physical, like she's she's not on social media all the time. So it wasn't like maybe a distinct impression between when they stopped being in contact versus like for our generation it's a lot more like oh they stopped answering my texts like they don't call me anymore um and then my second ping off was that if I was on a dating app at any point if even if I'd been on a date with them and even if they had good conversations if they made me feel uncomfortable or said things I didn't feel like appropriate I would just you know I would ghost them I would just straight up unmatch or un- add them or whatever just without feeling explanation because you don't owe explanations to people who are toxic or bad in your life and there's also the issue of, like, when you ask for space, like, I tried to maintain a friendship with my most previous ex, and, like, right after, like, we broke up, and he wanted to keep, like, talking, like, as frequently as we had, and I, like, I'm not going to be able to, like, for the reason why we broke up is that, like, I don't really have the time to put into, like, preserving the relationship, so I'm not going to be able to talk nearly as much as we did before. And he would end up messaging me, like, at least once a day, if not more. Hey, like, if you need space, just let me know. I'll, like, give you space. Like, he felt like I was ghosting him. And I wasn't at the time. Like, I just needed a little bit more space then. And I just needed to, like, not talk as frequently. And I thought I'd communicated that to him, but maybe I didn't communicate that nearly as well enough as I did. But then later, I was just like, hey, I really do need space. And then he blocked me on everything. But then there's also the issue of, like, family members where I'm just, like, I've had arguments with them. Just, like, hey, I just need a little bit of space in between. Like, I just need, like, give me some space. But then, they like, they keep contacting you. And, like, when is the line of, like, hmm, should I ghost my grandma? Like, 
what? Sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think the only experience I've really had with ghosting was kind of similar to Katie's, where it was kind of gradual over time, and it really was more for me because I was feeling uncomfortable, and I was avoiding, like, talking to them, so I just wouldn't reply to their messages and kind of hope that it goes away, which it won't. Like, it won't go away. Like, I should have kind of ended it because I know like it does feel bad but it's just hard especially in the moment when you don't know what to do and it's easier to just let it lie yeah and this goes like way back but um Katie said like you know um people like send you snapchats and you don't want to answer those snapchats right away which goes back to our conversation fully about snapchat and how it tells you if someone saw your message the second that they saw it and so it's like harder to ghost someone on Snapchat, but it also means that it's like harder to get the space that you need. And it's also easier for people to mistakenly think that you're ghosting them mm. or to just like not get the hint because if you're not opening it for a long time, they could think like, oh, they're just busy. If you open it and you don't answer, they'll like assume that you're ghosting them, even if it's the other way around and you're actually ghosting them when you're not answering and not just busy when you do see it and not answer. So yeah, like just having them be like notified immediately just like makes it harder. I just came to the conclusion that perhaps I ghosted a little bit more than I previously thought because when you said it was really hard to, it's harder to ghost people on Snapchat than any other platform. If you mute their notifications, it is mm. so much easier because then you just don't answer their Snapchat and you just let it go in the back and you don't have the notification. So maybe I do ghost a little bit more. I just think it's interesting overall, like all of these new terms that come with technology and relationships, like such as ghosting and all of these new dating app terms that we all use just in our daily lives. So it really does influence us in more ways than we think. All right, well, I just want to thank you guys for helping me with my project. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you. You are thank all. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> Free therapy. <laughs> But yeah, it was really interesting to hear all of your ideas and viewpoints. Yeah, and I guess I just want to say that, like, yeah, I don't know if I, I guess my viewpoint has actually shifted a little more negative during this, like, listening to all the problems. However, at the same time, though, I think, like, I'm sure people were like, letter writing is, like, negative, because now I write people instead of going in my carriage to go see them. <laughs> so I think it's kind of relative, right? Like, we get, like, like, I was in a long-distance relationship that wouldn't have been possible without, like, FaceTime and stuff, and, like, I think I was better person because of that relationship but also like it has a lot of bad things like i think snapchat's kind of evil not gonna lie and like that hasn't really changed about this conversation like snap maps kind of evil let's, let's be honest you Very know so i think in general it's how you use it i think placing your own boundaries within like you and your personal relationship is probably the healthiest thing that's come across from this like everything's kind of relative between you and your own relationships my viewpoint hasn't really changed too much except i just i guess i've realized that like Tech, like technology can be very good for like especially long distance relationships but I think you need to know yourself really well and you need to know where you're going to have issues when it comes to using technology in long distance relationships and I think you need to communicate that clearly to your partner. I think my perspective maybe has shifted slightly more positive than before. Um, I think recently I've been dwelling on some like negative aspects of technology just from fatigue of everything being online with the pandemic mm -hmm. but 
it, like through this conversation, it reminded me of like good experiences I've had with technology and relationships. I don't think my viewpoint has changed very much. I said at the beginning that I think technology generally has a good um, effect on my relationships. Um, there are definitely technology creates issues and relationships that wouldn't have existed without technology, but also solves problems that existed before in relationships before technology. Like it solves the issue of long distance dating and like how that can be difficult. So yeah, I think overall it's helped. Podcast out. That's a wrap. Sharpie, <laughs> Sharpie drop. Oh, do it, Abby, do it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Talking sticks. Yeah.